it. Today's the, the, today's the last day you have to worry about con- conflict resolution, right? Yeah, wrong. Um, I, man, it's been challenging to me. And uh, this message too, especially, has been, has been challenging to me. And, and I've found that as we study this and as we think about it and as, as I work through it, God has been just presenting conflict for me to be a part of and to experience. And uh, it's been good. It's been really good. I hope that maybe some of the things that, that you've been reading and, and the, the power that you've been sensing from the Holy Spirit has been, has been giving you some courage and some honesty with people, um, but also, as we talked about last week, that, that gentleness that is all ever so important as we, uh, as we experience uh, life with other people. I, I, I do want to mention one other thing that I forgot to mention during the announcements. If you look on the back of your worship folder, you probably have it in your hand as you were getting your, your note sheet out anyway. Um, you'll notice under the care team there, um, you'll see that Carissa Bennett is the prayer team leader and Chelsea Hibben is the meals team leader. And we've had, you know, we've had a lot of people move away, a lot of people move in. You know, you're, you're possibly somebody who's only been coming here for a few weeks or a few months. And um, we're, we're always looking to update our prayer chain. There's an email that goes out whenever a prayer request comes into our prayer team that they would like people to pray for. Um, if, if you are not on that and you would like to get prayer updates to pray for people, um, who have immediate needs, if you would write that on your Connect card and put your email address there, hey, I'd like to be on the prayer chain, um, and here's my email address and maybe a phone number as well, just in case you don't write your email legibly and we don't can't read it and we need to call you and <laughs> figure out what it is. And then Chelsea Hibben is in charge of our meals team, and whenever a request comes in or somebody has a baby or is in the hospital and is home recovering, um, our team tries to get them some meals um, to, to sort of ease their, their return home. And Chelsea is in charge of that, and, and they're, they're looking for some additional um, ladies or men um, who would be willing to pre- prepare and uh, deliver a meal now and then. And uh, her cell number is there on your worship folder, and you could also write that on a Connect card too. So um, just wanted to mention those couple things before we started this morning. If, it poss- if it's possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I wonder how many of you that's the first time, or maybe three weeks ago was the first time you ever heard that verse. Um, And and you weren't sure uh, what to do with conflict. It says, if possible. That That means there will be some that are opposed to the idea. There will be some that don't want to live at peace with you. It, it's a challenge. They may drag their feet. They may say, not right now. They may say, never. But it says, if possible. So, um, the next thing says, so far as it depends on you, do whatever you can to live at peace with this person. Whatever actions you can take, whatever steps you can take, action, take action, move in that direction, and that's really what we're talking about today, to live at peace. Uh, To live at peace with a few close friends, to, to live at peace with just those that you're around every day. No, it says what? To live at peace with everyone. Democrat doesn't matter. What they believe doesn't matter. Republican doesn't matter. God's word says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Um, we've been looking at the four G's of Christian reconciliation. You can read additional articles. If this is something that's really, really been challenging to you, you can go to peacemaker.net, and, and there's several other articles. There's um, maybe you've been struggling with idols in your life. There's an article in there that takes you through a process to just, just for some introspection um, personally through that process. The For Further Studies, actually, which are uh, available on the information counter out there, have been from that particular article on idols in our own lives um, as it pertains to living as a peacemaker. Now, conflict isn't necessarily bad or destructive, we often think it is. In fact, we, we, we want to hide from it because we think it's, it's solely a bad thing, but it's really not. Um, conflict is a lot like fire. You know, fire really has kind of two things that it does. It destroys and burns up. And then on the other side, the good part of fire is it creates light and it creates heat. Those are, those are good things. Uh, conflict is really the same. Um, when we struggle through a conflict with another person in a healthy way and in a godly way, and we're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, it actually serves to increase the depth of our relationship with that person. It can, on the other side of the conflict, increase our trust in that other person. It really can. Um, The positive effects of conflict are really often overlooked because we only see the other person as the opposition. You know, we live in such a I mean, me included, such a competitive society and culture. I don't care what it is that I do. Um, I, I just get this competitive thing that I want to win, whatever it is. You know, walking to the car from shopping. <laughs> right? I mean, it, uh, seriously, that's how, that's how bad I have to struggle with this particular thing. Um, but we, always, we often see that other person as the opposition. And, and there's really two goals that we often have with conflict. It's to either avoid it or, or get through it. I want it over. Or, or to overcome that other person somehow. To win. Or, or to, to, to overcome them. To prove that I'm actually right. I thought it was interesting that the community drug um, sign this week actually had to do with this. It's like, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just trying to show you that I'm right. Right? Um, but we need to see that conflict actually provides a unique opportunity for the increase of depth in our relationship. So what are the four Gs? The first one is what? Glorify God. Yes, glorify God. Gets our minds straight. It, it puts us in the right place of humility and, and gentleness and, and provides power in our life. What's the second? Get the log out of your own eye. That, those biased blind spots, those things that, you know, we can judge other people and, and, and those things sometimes turn out to be a speck. Um, how many people do you know who are criticizing another person and you think to yourself, well, that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black? Right? I mean, and that happens to us too, not just other people. Um, and, and God's word says that we need to be sure to get the log out of our own eye first before we go and try and help someone else out or we enter into this uh, process of reconciliation in a conflict. What's the third? Gently restore. Oh, gently restore. I wish every morning we got up in the morning and, we, and those words went through our minds, especially gently. Gently. Lord, help me live today gently. Our culture doesn't know that term anymore. Um, Gently, gently. And then the final G is this. It's go. It's go. It's an action word. Go and be reconciled. 
Go and be reconciled. One of the most unique parts of biblical peacemaking is the pursuit of genuine forgiveness and reconciliation. And even Christians, even as people who have, who have experienced and received the complete and total unconditional forgiveness of God, we sometimes can be the most harsh and unforgiving people on the planet. And, and we just, we need to be aware of this. Um, oftentimes we fail to show forgiveness to others. And then we, and then we cover up our disobedience with shallow statements like, well, I forgive her, I just don't want to have anything to do with her again. Hmm. Have you ever, have you ever thought that? Have you, that when I, I, when I was challenged by that this week, I went, ooh, ah, yeah. I've thought those words before. I've maybe even said them out loud. Um, just, just think, however, how, how, where would we be and how would we feel if God said to us, I forgive you, I just don't want to have anything to do with you ever again. That's not who our God is, and that's not who he wants us to be. That's not who he is transforming us to be. Um, I think there are certain times with relation, when, when relationships will struggle to return to where they were before. I, I think it's even appropriate that there are times when relationships don't return to where they were before. Um, trust is a big issue in this case, but we should never stop praying and we should never stop hoping for, recre- for reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness to take place. Praise God that he never says that to us, Right? I mean, man, that we could end today and get on our knees and worship him for that. Oh, what, what an amazing and forgiving God we have. He, he, he forgives us totally, <laughs> genuinely, uh, completely. And then he calls us to forgive others in the exact same way. Look up here on the screen to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Put on these things. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hmm. Psalm 103, how did he? How did he forgive us? Psalm 103 verse 12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Imitate him, his word says. We're, uh, this next series, starting next week, um, I think it's going to be an interesting one. I, I think it's going to be one you're going to want to come every Sunday because we're going to talk about five dumb things that Christians believe. You know, there are things that we hold on to and we say to other people in certain situations we, when if we really knew in the context of what those things are, um, what, what it means. And, and one of those things that we often say is forgiving, forgiving means forgetting. That's not true. 
The Bible, in fact, I'm not even sure that, the, that, that God forgets. Now, he could if he wanted to, I think. But, but look what this says. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He removes them from us, and then he chooses not to hold them against us because they've been forgiven and washed away by the blood of Jesus that pours over the top of us. And, and I, I realize that, that you, look, you look at your notes this morning and you're like going, well, there's two more lists for today. Did you think that this morning? I mean, over the last three weeks, we've been doing some lists. Two more today. Um, and in fact, one of those lists is, it's called, um, these, are, these are four promises that we have to make to ourselves when we're working on forgiving someone for something. Um, through forgiveness, God tears down the walls that our sins have built. And, and he opens the way for a renewed relationship with him. And that's exactly what we must do with other people as we choose to forgive them. It's really a decision that you and I have to make. Am I going to forgive this person or not? And God's word would say that we choose to forgive them. Um, here are the four things, just really quickly. The first one is this. I will not dwell on this incident. Okay, so, you've, so in... You've, you've gone through the four things last week that we looked at as far as, is this something that I can overlook? And you've determined it's not something that I can overlook. It's something that I need to address with this other person. We need to work through this together. And, and, and you come to a decision. Um, what they did hurt me, and I'm going to forgive them. I am making the decision that I am going to let it go. I'm going to let the pain that whatever it was caused me go. In the power of the Holy Spirit and, and in the forgiveness and grace that he has for us, I'm, I'm going to let it go. Okay, so number one, having decided that, I will not dwell on this. And, and this is probably an everyday thing. Get up in the morning, say, Lord, you got to help me. You got to help me not dwell on this. I don't think it's possible for us to forget things. Actually, my wife thinks it's possible for me to forget things. Um. But there are some things that, that we just can't forget. But we choose to forgive. And in choosing to forgive, these four things, I will not dwell on this incident. Number two, I will not bring up this incident again and again and use it against you. So here's the thing. You, you, something happens in your marriage and, and your, your, your husband does something wrong and, and, and he's asked you to forgive him and you have said, I forgive you. And then five or ten days or weeks or months down the road, something else happens. And you take out this piece of paper from your back pocket and you say, see, you did it again. Or this is just like that other time when you, whoa, no. You got to put that away. You cannot, you have chosen to forgive. You cannot add that to the list of things that you hold against them. That's promise number two. I will not bring up this incident again and use it against you. I will not talk, number three, I will not talk to others about this incident. Molehills can be, become mountains in a big hurry when you do this. Other people can, can jump to further conclusions and then it, then it be, be, begins a life of its own and it becomes gossip and, and, and before you know it, it's on Facebook or some other social media 
social media site. I will not talk to others about this incident. And then number four, forgiveness is a decision. Number four, a promise that you'll make to yourself. I will not let this incident stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. By making and keeping these promises, we can tear down the walls that stand between us and the person that hurt us or that we hurt. We promise not to dwell on or, or brood over the problem or to punish by holding the person at a distance. We, we clear the way for our relationship to develop unhindered by memories of past wrongs. This is exactly what God does for us and it is what he calls us to do for others. There was a, a husband and wife, they were in counseling and I don't remember, I remember the last wedding that I told this joke at, but I don't remember if it was on a Sunday morning, so I'm just going to tell it. Um, and, and the husband was telling the counselor that whenever we get in an argument, my wife always gets historical. And the counselor said, well, wait a minute, don't you mean hysterical? He's not, he's like, no, she gets historical. She brings everything up that I've ever done wrong in the past. We have to let those things go. I, I want to read you a story from Corey Tinboom. Corey Tinboom was a prisoner of the Germans. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear, she said, in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture, maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I liked to think that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence, in silence collected their wraps, and in silence left the room. And that's when I saw him. Working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the room, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. He could, how could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. I was face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, 
I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, again the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not in this moment seem to forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. That the message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried. With all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Wow. It's the power of God. And that power is available for you and for me in those conflicts that we have. Some of them may even be as grave as this one. Many are likely not. It's not easy. No one said it would be. But it will heal. It will heal relationships. And it will heal us. And we must remember that forgiveness is also a spiritual process that we cannot fully accomplish simply on our own. We, we are not the, the curers. We are not the cure givers. God is. And we must remember that. And as we seek to forgive others, we must continually ask God for the grace to enable us to imitate his wonderful forgiveness toward us. But you've got to be willing. You've got to take that first step. It's time to stop making excuses and say, I'll never forgive that person. I'll never let it go. It's time to take that first step and say, God, change my heart. 
because only you can. Maybe you've tried for years and years and years and years. And you've heard messages before. But today, for whatever it is, God has put you in that chair today or in front of that screen today. And he's saying, it's time to go and be reconciled. Now, as we seek forgiveness from others and as we go to others and ask for forgiveness, we need to do this. You need to be prepared for unreasonable people. Now, I'm not saying that as a judgment. I'm not saying that that we should diagnose people or, or use this as some kind of excuse, but we need to be prepared for the reaction that they may have, and that could be one of them. You know, I, I mentioned this often, and I know there are people here who weren't here at the beginning of the season of the series, but when I went to somebody and asked for, for, for their forgiveness and, and mentioned how their actions hurt me and, and, and how what they said, what that did to me, and they responded with, good, that's how I wanted you to feel, I wish I had maybe been a little bit more prepared for that. And it can happen. We pray it won't. Oh God, we pray, please. Please heal this situation. Talked to a young woman last week whose brother completely and totally stopped all communication with her because she called him out in a game. A game. I said, well, you may need to call him or write him a letter. She said, I've tried through my parents. I've tried through his wife. He told my parents that he never, ever wants to talk to me again. And my heart broke. Because I told her, you know, something could happen to you or him, and the only thing that's going to be left is regret. I should have said, yes, and that should have could come if you don't today go. So whenever we're responding to conflict, we need to realize that the other people may harden their hearts and they may refuse to to be reconciled to us. And I asked her if I could pray that her relationship with her brother would be restored and she said yes. I don't think she's a Christian. So there's two ways that we can prepare for this possibility. First of all, and this isn't in your notes, you'll just have to write it in the margin, we need to remember that God does not measure success in terms of results, but in terms of obedience. Okay, your obedience in relation to the conflict, in, to re- in relation to forgiving someone else, as far as it depends on you, if at all possible, live at peace with everyone. There is another side to this, and they will make their choice and their decision as well. And we must remember that God, God does not measure on success. He knows we can't force other people to act in a certain way. So I believe that when we've done the, our, what he has called us to do, that, that we, at that point, no longer become held responsible for the fracture in the relationship. It's not that we stop attempting to be reconciled, but at that moment in time, we can kind of take a deep breath and, and, and relax and say, you know what, I, I don't like this, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to have anxiety over this anymore. Which is tough. 
So if we do that, if we do as he has called us to and we, we go, no matter how the conflict turns out, we can walk away with a clear conscience before God knowing, I believe that he would say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You have taken the steps. You've, you've trusted me. You've done the hard thing of, of talking and, and trying to work it out. Second, you need to resolve that you will not give up on finding a biblical solution. You know, if a dispute is not easily resolved, you may be tempted to say, well, you know, I gave it a shot. And it just didn't work out. Looks like I will have to handle this another way. And then maybe you might turn to the world. Oh, yeah, I'll resolve this deal. Or that kind of hurt. What can I do then to heap some hurt on this person? No, no. Do not give up on a biblical solution. We should never, ever close the Bible on anything. When we try to resolve a conflict but do not see the results we desire, we should seek God earnestly in prayer, continue to study his word and the counsel of his church. And as we do, we keep our focus on Christ who will keep our heart in the right place and will continue to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And as we close this series today, as you look in your notes, there's one more list. It's five, five principles long. Because here's the thing. Saint doesn't want you to resolve this conflict. There is a spiritual battle going on here. He has you right where he wants you. If you are embroiled in a conflict and a disagreement and hate another person, he doesn't even really have to work a whole lot at that point. And so we need to recognize that there is evil out there and we need to come against it and, and not stay in bondage to bitterness and conflict. And this is described in Romans chapter 12. If you would, please turn there. Romans chapter 12. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans in the New Testament. Back third of your Bibles. There's Bibles under the seats as well if you didn't bring one with you this morning. Romans chapter 12, 14 through 21. And I'm, I'm going to begin reading as you continue to turn there. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Five things. The first thing is this, from this passage. Control your tongue. Control your tongue. I mean, we're the ones that are in, in control of our response and our reaction. What we say and what we do, that's our decision. That's our choice. Lashing back doesn't help. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Control your tongue. The second is this. Seek godly advisors. 
Seek godly advisors. And, and this helps us, number one, not to fall prey into the biased blind spots. They can, they can sort of look at us. And, and it's not going to someone who will be on our side and who will support our side, but it's someone who we can go to that we know we can trust them to be honest with us. Hey, so what do you think? Do I, am I a pot? You know, is there a log in my eye? This isn't, this seeking godly advisors is not done on Facebook. It's not done in group messaging. It's not done with many, many conversations. It's sitting down with a trusted friend who will tell us the truth and who has wisdom. Number three, keep doing what's right. Keep doing what's right. Don't give in to the, to the, to the desire to sucker punch when nobody's looking. Continue to pray. Don't give up. Turn to the Bible. Be humble and continue to keep your focus on imitating Christ. It's a lot of work. It's hard. And we will fail time and time again, but don't give up. Don't give up. Keep doing what is right. The fourth thing is this. Recognize your limits. Right? If you know that, that, that if you're in a certain situation and, and something is said and you're going to respond in a certain way, don't Go there. Don't get yourself into that situation as far as it depends on you. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. Oh man, we can't do this on our own. I've sat in living rooms across from people that I was crossways with and it is hard. But when you walk away and the Holy Spirit has empowered the conversation and you go, you know what? I could now see them in the grocery store and say hi. Maybe even say, how's it going? But we got to recognize our limits. And finally, we need to use the ultimate weapon. And the ultimate weapon is deliberate, focused love. That's what Jesus did towards us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He didn't do this after we came to him, right? He went, he came, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And as we imitate him, that's how we respond and we react to others. Um, Luke 6, 27, 28, and 31. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And then he ends in verse 31 with, do to others as you would have them do to you. Not do to others as they do to you. No, you're taking the first step. And leading. And even if other people persist in doing wrong, we can continue to trust God and do what's right. And, and move in the positive direction. We can be patient in the face of suffering and leave the results in his hands. Now, all that I've said, honestly, can only be done if, if you are in the place of having been forgiven by our creator in the first place. See, we can love because we were first loved. 
See, we can forgive because we've actually experienced forgiveness ourselves. You know, God says that everyone has sinned. You know, all fall, all fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. Not, not one. There's, there's no one is good. Not one. And our sins, the Bible says, condemn us to hell. For the wages of sin is death. And contrary to popular belief in many world religions, sin cannot be erased by good deeds. You cannot outweigh sin. And that's the bad news. I mean, if, if any, is there anybody in here that's a good swimmer? I mean, a really good swimmer. Andrea, you're a really good swimmer? Okay. Andrea and I are standing on the beach of California, and we're going to swim to Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just walk out and breathe in water because I know it's a futile experience anyway because I can't swim that great and, you know, why tread water for 10 minutes when you're going to drown in 11? So just give it up right away. <laughs> but, but see, the, the best, the best um, marathon swimmer in the world and I and Andrea could be standing on the beach of California. Who's going to make it to Hawaii? None of us. It's impossible. It's impossible. Just like getting to heaven on our own accord. It's impossible. Cliff may live a, a life so much better than me and, 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 and just does everything right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He has sinned just as I have. But that's the crummy news. That's the bad news. The good news is this. Um, that, that paying the price for our sin, Christ died for us. Jesus died for you and for me. Even when he knew that you were going to be the way that you are today, he died for you too. He took on the evil and the sin and the hurt and the pain onto himself. He didn't just sweep it under the rug. He took it on himself. And he died for it. And everyone, the Bible says, John 3.16, just read it, everyone who believes has eternal life. Everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as God come to save us. Paul says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and what? You will be saved. And I also believe that life that's eternal can never be lost. If God says, I give you eternal life, what does that mean? <laughs> well, only until you mess up a little more than the next guy? No, if he's big enough to save you, he's big enough to keep you. And if you're here today and you ha you're not sure, I don't know. Um, as the worship team comes up, I'm going to pray and, and, and you can follow me in this prayer but what you need to know is, you know, the Bible doesn't say, well, if you just say these words in the right order and with the right emphasis on the right syllables, then you'll be saved. That's not what it says. If you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, it's not the words that we say, it's what we're communicating from our heart. And if you're in this moment in time thinking, Jesus, you are calling my name and I am just simply responding to you in faith and belief, that's what he asks for. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner.
I know that, that I can't live my life good enough to, to get to heaven, to receive eternal life from you, but I do know that you gave your life. You came here, you lived the perfect life, and you were the sacrifice on my behalf, and I thank you for that. And, and I just want to put my faith and trust in you. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for changing my heart and my mind. And Lord, I want to surrender my life to you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what you're going to ask of me, but I know that I can trust you, and I want to give it to you. Please, Father, forgive me. Come live in my life and transform me into who you want me to be. And Father, I pray that all of us who in this room, man, we struggle every day with this. We fail, we succeed. I pray that you would help us to to rely on your Holy Spirit as we go through the next few days and the next week, as I know, Satan doesn't want this to happen. He doesn't want us to enjoy healthy relationships and and, and healthy confrontation and, and reconciliation. But Lord, I pray that we would go And we would be reconciled. We would recognize how much we've been forgiven and that we would extend that forgiveness to others. And Lord, as we we end this service and this series, Father, help us not to just sort of move on to the next thing, but to allow you to transform us in this area. We could be lights. Father, now as we give of our tithes and our offerings, as we worship you in that way, as we've worshiped you with our word and we... We're going to stand and we're going to sing this final song. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Would you stand with us, please? If faith can move the mountains 